Our loving Father, we thank you that we can just enjoy this moment of quiet after a busy day, after a busy week. We thank you that in different ways you've enabled each of us to be here tonight. Um, we want to be here to listen to your voice, to encourage one another, to learn together. So I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us by your Spirit tonight, that you'd make our hearts and our ears attentive to hear your voice. Please help us to fill out our minds all that might be distracting us now. And I pray that we would, by your Spirit, you would help us to have our hearts uh, more in line with your heart, that we would listen to your voice, that we would leave here wanting to obey you and wanting to serve you in the week ahead. We thank you for this time we have together. And I uh, thank you that you are here now by your Spirit with us. Amen. And have our reading now, which is from Psalm 119 and it's from verse 97 to 104 and it's on page 620 if you have one of the church Bibles so Psalm 119 verse 97 Oh how I love your law I meditate on it all day long your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path, so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. May God add his blessing as we look at his word. Philip. Great, well, um, can I ask you to, to, to keep that passage open um, from Psalm 119? It's great. Um, if, you, if you don't normally come to church with the Bible, can I really encourage you to come? Um, it's great that you have God's word in front of you when you're being taught, and uh, we look at it together. Uh, and it's great then just to engage your minds. You can check everything that's always said from the front is actually what the Bible says, because just as we would hope that you would be accountable to the Word of God, um, as teachers we want to be as well. And so I just encourage you to bring a Bible with you when you come to church. But it's a great little passage, and I hope you've uh, been enjoying the series we've been looking at in Psalm 119. This is the last of the little series, um, and um, I'm going to speak mostly on that passage, and then just the last couple of minutes try and pull together some of the themes that we've been thinking of through Psalm 119 to help us. Um, as we come to God's Word, should we pray, and then uh, we'll dive in together. Heavenly Father, we want to hear your voice tonight and we want to be taught by you. So please give us humble spirits, please give us open ears, please give us soft hearts that we would be changed by what we hear. We thank you that your scriptures are encouraging to us and we pray that they would be that tonight. Amen. Great, here's, here's something for you to think through. Um, what do you think is the fastest growing thing in our universe, fastest multiplying thing in our universe. Any ideas? Google. Say what? Google. Google. Yes, could possibly be Google. Very good. Keep going. I'm not a scientist. I, yeah, I do know that we are sort of moving further away, and, and the universe might be expanding all the time. Not that though. The thing I'm thinking about is information, the fastest growing substance in our universe. 
Um, a survey was carried out at Harvard, it's a big American university, um, in 2013, last year. And this is what they worked out. They discovered, I have no idea how they did this, but they're scientists so we can believe everything they said. <laughs> okay? They worked out that since records began, all the way through to the year 1900, okay, so 114 years ago, all of that time, information, all the information that was produced and processed doubled every 100 years. Okay? That's what they worked out. They then worked out that by 1945, the end of the Second World War, information that's available to us as human beings was doubling every 25 years. And they worked out that by 2013, last year, information was doubling every year. So if they're correct, what that means is that all the information since the beginning of time, all the way up to 2013, all of that is the same as all the information just produced last year. I don't know whether there's any way you can check that's true, but these scientists put a lot of money into this research, and it sounds pretty good to me. Um, but they worked out, based on that trajectory, by 2017, that's just around the corner, information will double every 12 hours. It's quite staggering, isn't it? We are living in an information age, and you and I will know that because we live in that kind of a world, we're bombarded with information all the time, aren't we? Advertising, different voices calling us in their direction, and do you ever feel kind of pulled in different directions? Just so much information in the world and you're kind of like lost. Where do I go? Who do I listen to? Just uh, do you notice in that, in that reading, have a look at the end of the reading, at the second half of the last verse, where the psalmist says, I hate every wrong path. Now by saying that, it seems that he's also suggesting that therefore there must be a right path He's declaring, I don't want to go the wrong way, a way that will lead me away from serving God and honouring him. So by definition, there has to be a right way, a good way to go that will help us to love him and to serve him. And that's what he wants us to grasp. But in this world of growing information, when we're bombarded with choices all the time, whose voice are we going to listen to? You and I need to learn to be wise. And that's exactly what this little bit of Psalm 119 really focuses on. Uh, wisdom. So, um, if you're able, um, turn to the person next to you. I just want to ask you two questions. You can just sort of ping this idea around. Uh, who do you know who's wise? And what is it that makes them wise? Just turn to the person next to you in little groups. Who do you know who's wise and what makes them wise? Okay, can, I, uh, can I interrupt you? There's, uh, there's lots of people smiling, so obviously you're telling some funny stories about uh, people you know who are wise. Those are the two questions you've been thinking through. This is one just for you to answer in your own heart. As you think of these people in your life who you know are wise and you've thought about what makes them wise, here's a question for you. Is the wisdom that they have something that you desire? Is it something you want? And is the wisdom that you've just been talking about something that's attractive to you? So not just stuff out there, oh that person's very wise, but for you, is wisdom what you want? Just have a think about that. Now leave that idea, and we're going to come back to it. I want to talk about chocolate. Does anyone here like chocolate? Oh, lots of you. This is, uh, this is Steph's best friend, and uh, lots of other people here. Now, would anyone like this? Sticking <laughs> that hand up very freely. Who would like this? Well, that was a quick hand. Here you go. You'd like this. You can have it. Here you go. 
Just uh, if you'd like to eat it now, you can, or if you're very disciplined, you can wait till after tea, but it's yours. Okay, when you love something, when you love something, you always act on what you love, don't you? You love a person, you love a thing, so you act on it. And then what you do to act on the love that you have has its consequences, doesn't it? So just have a, have a look here. You could say, I love chocolate. You're nodding, you're smiling, you love chocolate. You're very, very disciplined though, because you're not sucking in now. I love chocolate. Because you love chocolate, you may then say, I'm going to eat it regularly. That's the action. And it leads to a consequence. Okay? Pretty simple. <laughs> eating, eating chocolate regularly might do other things to you, but it's certainly true. If you love chocolate, you'll eat it regularly. And if you eat it regularly, you'll say it makes you happy. Okay? Now, you and I would it would seem normal, wouldn't it, to say a chocolate, I love eating chocolate, okay? Have a look in our passage. What does the writer say he loves? It's normal to say, I love chocolate. Isn't it a bit strange that here is someone who says, I love your law. I'm speaking of the word of God. I love it. And what's the phrase he uses in verse 103? How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So you all put your hands up, I love chocolate, and each of you wanted a chocolate bar, I'm sorry I haven't got enough for all of you. That's normal. Steph, I'll give you some later, okay, because you are smiling. <laughs> okay, that's normal. It seems strange though, often to us, isn't it, to say of the Word of God, I love the Word of God. I love listening to God's voice. And yet when you start and think and compare chocolate bar to God, who wants to speak to you, they're not comparable, are they? And yet I, I very easily love chocolate, and I'm not so quickly loving the Word of God. Okay? Well there, just as I can say I love chocolate, when I eat it regularly it makes me happy. Are you able to say with this psalmist, I love listening to God's voice, and when it takes root in my life, it makes me wise. Now as I said, I wrote that when it takes root in my life, because there's a big difference between listening or reading the Word of God and actually allowing the truth to sink into our heart. Do you see that in the reading? He talks that this writer talks about meditating on the statutes of God, obeying God's precepts, and putting into action the things he hears. So it's not talking about simply, oh, I read the Bible. God's word has to take root into our life, it has to actually infiltrate and move us and shape us. But are you able to say with the psalmist, because this is what he says in Psalm 119, I love listening to God's voice, and when it takes root in my life, it makes me wise. Just in the passage, I've, I've divided it up. Uh, the two love phrases in, in red, love like I love chocolate. The actions, what does he do because he loves the word of God? Just have a look at how he describes his response to loving something. See, this writer loves the word of God so much that he'll do something about it. He reads it. He thinks about it. He prays about it. He allows what he learns to sink into his heart, he talks about it with his friends. It actually becomes real in his life, not just something that's out there. And then he talks about consequences of reading the Word of God. So just have a, just have a think about the person that you were discussing earlier, who was wise. There are different types of wisdom, I know that, and there's wisdom in the world that's completely not related to God, and we can learn things from one another. But as you describe the person who was wise and you thought about what it was that made them wise, would you equally be able to say that person loves listening to God's voice? 
doesn't mean that they have to necessarily be a person who loves listening to the voice of God, but often the wise people we look up to and we want to learn from are people who want to listen to the voice of God. And we were thinking this morning, weren't we, as Jeff was unpacking uh, the last phrase in the Lord's Prayer about temptation. Information, we're bombarded with different influences, we've been pulled this way, we've been pulled that way, there's temptations all the time. And one of the temptations that the devil wants to use is to persuade you and me that listening to the voice of God is a waste of time. You just go back, if you don't believe me, to the Garden of Eden and read Genesis chapter 3. Just tonight, remind yourself, how does Satan tempt Adam and Eve? What does he do? And you'll see very quickly the relationship between temptation and the Word of God. But just to ground this a little bit further, uh, in the ancient Near East, um, in the sort of context where the psalmist would have written this psalm, the idea of wisdom is not something that was kind of just associated with the people of God. Okay? So all of the ancient traditions and uh, great superpowers and nations, wisdom was something in that generation and that time that was treasured. It, it was like medicine. A little bit of wisdom, you'll know, goes a long way. And people treasured wisdom, not so much just knowledge, what do I know, but the ability to live life skillfully, the ability to respond to all the different influences and pressures in life. And all the great civilizations at the time where this was written loved and prized wisdom. And so wisdom was something that was taught, particularly older men teaching younger men, and older women teaching younger women. It was very practical. Wisdom was a massive part of ancient culture. But the significant thing we have to look at is when the people of God spoke of wisdom, what kind of wisdom were they talking about? Because it was different to the wisdom of all of the nations. And here's the thing we need to work out. True wisdom can never ever be separated from its source. So ancient civilizations could have been proud of the wisdom they had, and that wisdom could have been gained through science or primitive cosmology or mathematics. It could have been uh, learning from the ancients of old. It could have been from speaking the oracles of the gods, as some cultures would have believed. It's not that wisdom didn't exist, but specifically for the people of God, wisdom wasn't meant to be ever separated from its source. And God is the source of all wisdom. That's what marked out wisdom that the people of God spoke of, and, and wisdom that this writer wrote about, different to the wisdom of the ancient world. So just have a think of these verses. You see in black? When I first read this, I was grappling with this this week. It, say the writer was a, a, maybe a young man. Doesn't it at first glance appear a little arrogant? I'm wiser than my enemies, and then it gets worse. I have more insight than my teachers, and more understanding than all the elders. He sounds like a sort of smart aleck at the top of the class, doesn't he? And it would be quite arrogant for him to make the claims that he makes, but remember what we've just been thinking about. You cannot separate wisdom from its source. And what does he say in the passage? Have a look. The reason he has such confidence in the wisdom that he has is because of where it's come from. Do you see that? I have more insight than all my teachers. It seems arrogant, but, he says, the reason I think that is because I meditate on your, of God's, statutes. And then he comes out with an even bigger, uh, bigger claim. I have more understanding than all the elders. And we think, well, that's a bit arrogant. And to these claims, the source. For I obey your precepts. This writer has complete and utter confidence in the wisdom that God has grown within him and blessed him with because he knows where wisdom has come from. 
And it's really important that with all the competing voices and being pulled left and right in our lives, we tune in our hearts and our minds to listen to God's voice through all of that. If you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, I was talking about the Word of God and, and saying, you know, so often when we perhaps have a, a low view of the Word of God, it's because we've forgotten what the Word of God is. So remember I said, the Word of God can never be separated from God himself. So when I love the Word of God, actually I love God, because I want to listen to his voice. And it's exactly the same with wisdom. If I love wisdom, I can't separate it from its source. By loving wisdom, I'm actually loving God. And by loving God, I long to be wise. The two are meant to be together. And that's what this psalmist points to in the passage he's had in front of us. But you and I, if we can't ground this in, in the situations that we're living, you and I know that so often, do you find in life you're just feeling a bit confused? You're facing a situation and you just genuinely don't know which way to go. Uh, maybe you've been through a period of, of real illness or difficulty uh, and you've got all these people giving you their advice and you just don't know what to do, you don't know whose advice to take. Perhaps you're just overwhelmed by life, just all the struggles that you go through. The problem that some people have when they try and connect God's Word and their real life situations, they say, yeah, yeah, I understand in theory that God's Word is meant to help me in my life. But how does it actually practically work? And the problem is, sometimes people go to the Word of God and they kind of treat God's Word a bit like an A to Z index. And they say, okay, I, I lack wisdom and I need your help. So here's my problem, God. I'm going to read God's Word. Where's the answer? So maybe you're, you've got a financial dilemma and you look at M, money. And you read a verse of scripture on money and think, well, I've read that now. What's the answer? Or you're struggling in your marriage. You go to M again. God, what's the answer? The really significant thing is, God often doesn't give us answers. God's word isn't like a manual saying, do this. What God wants to do through his word, as his, God, as his, as his spirit speaks truth into our life, is to shape and mould our characters to become more like him. To teach us more and more to think like he thinks. Uh, to love the things that he loves. To say no to the things that he says no to. And as we learn to tune our hearts and our minds into hearing his voice, it's not so much that we can just download information from God's word and then there's a problem and then there's the answer to fix it, but more that God's word will shape our hearts, shape our motivations, shape the way that we think, so that when you face the dilemmas in life and the struggles you're going through, you grow in godliness, that means becoming more like God. You grow in wisdom, you grow in maturity. That's what God wants to do through his word. Not just give you answers, but to grow and mature your characters. And that's what he longs to do by speaking through his word, as his spirit applies those truths to our life. So that's where we started. It's easy to say, I love chocolate, and when I eat it regularly, it makes me happy. But would, it be equally, would you equally be able to say, I love listening to the voice of God, and when it takes root in my life, it makes me wise. Just to, to pull all of this together, um, Psalm 119 is really focusing on the Word of God. It's, it's focusing on listening to the voice of God. Uh, this is a verse that is quite well known. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this verse, along with many others, in a letter to a young man called Timothy. He was sent to a big city called Ephesus to lead the churches there. He had a big job to do. 
And this is a fantastic verse that Paul gave to a young man. I'm sure you'll be familiar with this verse. But I want to just help us to see why listening to the voice of God really matters. Do you see in the second half of, uh, of that verse, um, the Apostle Paul says that, that what God's word does is it makes the follower of God, in most translations it say the man of God, that's just a phrase that means all people, and so I put it there to help us, the follower of God, to be fully equipped. And we were thinking at the beginning about all the information that's in the world, all the competing influences in our life. You and I long to be wise, don't we? We need wisdom. And we want to be equipped to live our life to the honour of God's glory. Well, Paul writes to Timothy and says, if you're a follower of God, you can be fully equipped for every good work, living the Christian life, and this is how. Allowing God's words to take root in your life. You see there, he says, all scripture, that's speaking of all of God's words, his Bible that he's given us, is God-breathed, and you see there, is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness. God's Word has a number of functions. Sometimes it teaches us positively, sometimes it rebukes us negatively, but always in love. And God's Word, God through His Word wants to shape and mould our characters to become more like Him. But the one phrase I really want to focus on is this one. All Scripture is God-breathed. Uh, that little phrase is two, two words, like it is in English with a hyphen, that's two words in the original. And it's two words that are, which make a phrase that are only used here in the whole of the Bible. Because Paul, when he writes to Timothy, wants him to grasp. Let me explain to you and, and help you to get Timothy just how powerful the Word of God is. It is God-breathed. Not a phrase that's used anywhere else, because it's this that he wants Timothy to understand. That means that when the Bible is written by lots of different authors, probably over about 40 different authors, God oversaw everything that was written. It doesn't mean that the, the books of the Bible didn't have influences by the personality of the person who wrote, or influences from the experience they've been through, but God knew all that. And he made sure that everything that human writers wrote down was exactly what God wanted to have written down. So that God's word would be passed through the generations, and God would continue to speak into our lives. So it's not so much when I read the Bible that I'm reading words of old, but if I read them with a genuine heart that is humble before God, saying, God, speak to me. God's Spirit, teach me. That is the way that God continues to speak. Because I guess the alternative is just to wait for the booming voice from the cloud. And it never comes. I'm not saying God can't guide us in other ways. I'm not saying that God can't do miraculous things and speak in other ways. But this is the way he wants to speak to us because we can be sure that it's his voice. When other times he can speak, we can't always be sure. So I'm not saying there are other ways to listen to the voice of God. And we need to tune into his spirit and be open to that. But we've also got to know that God wants to speak to us through his word. Hence that phrase, all scripture is God-breathed. And we're just about to finish. But just to help you to grasp the significance of this, if you go back in your Bibles, you don't need to turn to it though, to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. The writer of Genesis says that Adam, the first man, was created out of the dust of the earth. So God, who brought the world into creation by speaking, then created a physical being out of the stuff that he had made. So Adam was there. But there was no life in Adam. And then it says, and God breathed into the nostrils of Adam, and he became a living being. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, 
but later it was translated into Greek so that people who were Greek speakers could understand it. Do you know that phrase where God uh, breathed into the nostrils of Adam? The translators used the same word as Paul used here. God breathed. Can you see the connection? Here is a physical man, Adam, but he's dead. And God comes and breathes into his nostrils and he becomes a living being. And in the same way, you and I can be spiritually dead. And God, through his word, wants to breathe life into each one of us so that we become alive to him. Paul very deliberately used that word and the translators of that word first in Genesis used the same word to try and say it's the same thing happening. Just as God can bring physical life to a dead being by breathing, God wants to bring spiritual life into spiritually dead people, you and me, by breathing life into us. I think that's incredible. Because when we really grasp this, we're going to want to listen to his voice. So my challenge to you is, we come to the end of this series in Psalm 119. You thought about the people who are wise and what makes them wise. I asked you, are they a person who delights in the word of God? But the question I guess for each of you to take away, and I need to take this away myself and think about it, is do we want to be people who long to listen to the voice of God? I love chocolate, and when I eat it regularly, it makes me happy. That's fine. But can we also say, I love listening to the voice of God. And when it takes root in my life, it makes me wise. I think since I got here, uh, through this period of training, and praying for wisdom is the biggest prayer I've had to pray. Because you so quickly feel out of your depth. So just uh, in a moment of quiet, uh, why don't you just spend some time reflecting on all the things you've been thinking about through Psalm 119. Um, but particularly these verses. God longs that each of us will be wise and he has told us here how we can be wise. Why don't you just take a few moments in the quiet of your own heart to respond to all that he's been saying and that little partly play for us in the background in a moment's time, that'd be great. Father, you know that so often we're bombarded with so many different voices vying for our attention so many different influences that are trying to distract us. There are so many voices in this world of information. But Lord, I pray for anyone here who longs to listen to your voice, and I pray this for myself too, that you would help us to hear your voice. That you'd help us to love listening to you. What an incredible privilege it is that you are a God who doesn't leave us in the dark but you want to speak to us. We thank you that you've spoken to us through your son, Jesus. You've shown us your commitment to us and how much you love us, offering us forgiveness, that amazing grace that we were singing of earlier. We thank you too that you don't want us to stay as we are, but you want us to grow in godliness. You want us to grow in wisdom that we can live life with all its pressures to the honour of your name that we can live our lives to be an encouragement to others that we can be a blessing to the people around us Heavenly Father, I pray for your forgiveness for the times when we don't listen to your voice 
or for times when we grieve your spirit when we know in the back of our minds that you are speaking to us and we choose to ignore your words we choose to not listen I pray that you would forgive us for that please forgive us for the times when in our pride we'd rather listen to ourselves we'd rather listen to human wisdom rather than yours I pray Heavenly Father that each of us would know the forgiveness that we have in you that we wouldn't be wracked with guilt this coming week because of all the times that we have not listened to your voice perhaps if we think of a time in our life when we took a very major wrong turn because we refused to listen to you and maybe now we're having to live with the consequences please forgive us but equally please encourage us that you are a God who wants to forgive us today who wants to speak into each of our lives and tell us that you love us tell us that you want us to start today to listen to your voice we do want to thank you for people who have been in our lives who have been wise, who have taught us and encouraged us thank you for perhaps some of those characters we were thinking of earlier who have taught us and been an example to us of what it means to be wise I pray Heavenly Father that you would teach us more and more as individuals and as your people to listen to your voice just as we delight in eating chocolate may we delight in listening to you may we really trust that your voice is the one that makes us wise Heavenly Father thank you so much for the amazing truth that we have been able to enjoy and spend a little time thinking of together in this great psalm and I pray that we wouldn't leave these truths here but we would continue to think about them we pray about them we would talk about them in our homes just as this writer spoke of doing himself I pray that your words into our lives this week would be refreshing and just like the breath of life that made Adam into a living being may you breathe spiritual life into us by speaking to us this week I pray Amen um, let's just pray together as we close Lord God we can talk about chocolate and loving it and that makes complete sense to us but so often our hearts can't sing this song we can't sing what the psalmist sings how I love your law how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth but I pray this week that you would help us to grasp a bit more what it means to listen to your voice that we would be sensitive to your spirit teaching us that we would tune our hearts and minds into listening to your voice I pray like as we've just been singing that song we would set our faces like flint that we would be focused on serving the Lord Jesus Christ this week and thank you too for the promise in your word that if we lack wisdom we're to ask you who gives generously without finding fault Lord you don't call us to be the wisest people on the planet because you are the truly wise one but you call us to grow in wisdom as we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus so may that be true in each of our lives this week and please send us out from here now um, to serve you this week and please help us to grow in wisdom Amen, Amen.